What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? The who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder podcast back at you. Larry Holder, not Jeff Duncan. I feel like we're just taking random vacations, me and Jeff. It's just kind of sporadic. Or Catherine Terrell is taking uh, a hostile takeover of Duncan Holder. So last week you decided to, what, do Duncan Terrell? Now what's your name since you're invading again? And at some point you're probably just going to, like boot one of us, maybe like Goodfellas style, just leave us like hanging, freezing in a meat hanger or something. I think the Tarot podcast actually just works just fine. Just me. Wow. Just take just over the podcast you. completely. That's amazing. Usually I'm the egomaniac and look at the monster Jeff and I have created. But want to thank. Worth it, y'all, too long. <laughs> we want to thank Catherine for jumping on again, of course, uh, brings. Expert knowledge here on the Saints and another wild week and probably more wild weeks to come. Saints beat up on the poor Broncos who I actually thought that uh, they uh, their game plan was about as well as they could have done. And I was actually kind of impressed that Vic Fangio called out his quarterbacks for being irresponsible and putting the team in that position. But look, they beat up on the Broncos expectedly. 31-3 with uh, poor Kendall Hinton at quarterback. And it's not something like we have to go in deep into that game because I, don't, I think people just want to move on with their lives, uh, even though the hot topic leaving that game, of course, is the play of Taysom Hill. We'll get into all of that uh, as well here. We'll talk about the defense. Uh, but, but, Catherine, let's just start where the Saints are currently in the standings. 9-2, and two, riding an eight-game win streak. They are well ahead in the NFC South and lead the NFC right now as the number one seed. I don't want to say, are you surprised that they are where they are? Because we expected them to get there. But I think just what's your reaction to the fact that they keep winning games and it has been different throughout this eight-game winning streak? I think the only surprise is how well the defense is playing because – I don't know, but two months ago, I and mean, this season feels like it's flying by and also feels very long. Uh, anyway, back in like September, I feel like we kept saying, if the defense just got it together, this will be a really good team. It never felt like there was some sort of panic that they were going to be bad. It was just, okay, well, how are they ever going to compete and beat the Chiefs in a few months down the road if their secondary can't communicate with each other? And then all of a sudden, something just clicked. And I mean, they're playing like one of the best defenses in the league right now. Now, of course, it's easy when you play against a team that has zero quarterbacks, but I guess that's the biggest surprise. But I mean, if you've watched this team last year, the year before, you know that they tend to play their best football at at this time. So it kind of feels like it's repeating last year, almost exactly, actually just different backup quarterbacks. Yeah. I feel like defensively, let's stay on that train and then we'll uh, jump on the Taysom Jameis quarterback insanity. Uh, But defensively, it it seems to me like we were seeing the defensive line get better. That started first. Then they add Quan Alexander. And then the secondary starts playing the way we assumed they would play early on just by the veterans that they have in the back end. 
uh, whether it's Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, uh, you start Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Marcus Williams, you know, you're seeing all these guys. And uh, look, you can take a piece out of that, and we've seen them win without Marshawn Lattimore. We've seen them win without Janoris Jenkins. And you've seen guys like Patrick Robinson play well. And uh, look, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who's played the entire time, uh, well, I think he missed one game but uh, or got hurt at, at one point in the game. But his coverage skills has certainly gotten better. He's he's less of some guy who's going to hit you and talk trash and, and rip a chain off uh, uh, but or, or a mouthpiece or whatever and or, or get into a fight with a teammate uh, and more about actually learning the scheme and having the coverage skills. So it, it's it, it's funny how it's kind of evolved and now it's this cohesive unit and we're seeing it's amazing. Uh, kudos to our colleague Jeff Duncan uh, for digging up the stat that this is the first time the Saints are the number one defense in terms of yards allowed since 2000. And that that defense was extremely good. Uh, one of the best defenses uh, that the Saints have seen, even Dome Patrol-wise. People remember Leroy Glover and Sammy Knight. So, I mean, we're talking, we're comparing them to Dome Patrol and and that defense. And, and Catherine, it's funny, every year probably for the last three or four years, around this time I start writing, all right, where does this defense compare to defenses in the past? So you're right. It's like they start to kind of pick it up at this point in the year. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Uh, if you think back to what, uh, 2014 season, six years ago, this point in the year we are talking about how Rob Ryan was getting fired and the whole defense was in disarray. And, you know, ever since Dennis Allen came on, it's just kind of – it's totally changed in November, or I guess it's December now. Uh, the season really has been flying by. Um, but, yeah, wow. I mean, it's it's just crazy to think that Saints defense is the number one defense in the league. It's just not really their M.O. under Sean Payton. But, I mean, they need the defense to play well because we don't know when Breeze is coming back. We don't know what's gonna eventually happen with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston or whatever craziness they're doing at quarterback. I mean, so the D, the team has to play well in all three phases for them to make a run in January, as we saw last year. Um, but yeah, they've really put the right pieces together. And, and Quan Alexander has been a great addition. Um, you know, the second they traded for him, it was kind of like, all right, see ya, Alex Anzalone. I mean, so they didn't need to go get him, but they figured it could make themselves a little bit better. And, and now you kind of see the results. Hey, at least Alex Angeloni and Zach Bond got some snaps like late in the game against Denver. So, you know, they're doing something. Sort I forgot of. Zach Bond was on the team. I mean, how you fa- saying that? How bad is that when people remember draft time? Zach Bond is going to be the second coming of John Vilma, the middle linebacker we envision as this. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe not this year, but maybe, maybe uh, in the years to come. But, uh, but look, it, and also, we, we can't go a week without saying how amazing is it that, A, Cam Jordan doesn't lead the team in sacks, B, it's Trey Hendrickson, and C, he, we're through basically 12 weeks of the season, and he is among the league leaders in sacks. Look, we saw his rise coming, but we didn't see this sort of rise coming. And, oh, by the way, it's a contract year. I thought the guy was going to be good last year. Like preseason uh, notions or whatever can either be spot on or wildly inaccurate. Like CJ GJ looked like the the weak link uh, in training camp, and now he's playing great. But I remember last preseason, I just come on 
to the athletic, just, you know, I basically went to California to watch them and I've been working here for like a week. And I remember I was, I saw Trey Hendrickson and I was like, who is this guy? Like this guy could be really good. And as the season went on, I thought, okay, well he can be good. But if you had told me, Hey, at some point during the season, he's going to be tied for the league in sacks. I probably would have laughed like that. Just, just didn't even seem possible. So, um, yeah, it's one of the predictions I would not take credit for because I definitely did not see that coming. I might have said, oh, if Trey Hendrickson got two sacks in week one and happened to lead the league in week one, maybe so, but not 12 weeks into the season. week 10 or whatever. Exactly. And so, but that's, I think that's part of it. And I I wrote a column uh, on The Athletic uh, Monday afternoon about irreplaceable players. And Cam Jordan... Used to be one of those guys. Uh, Drew Brees used to be one of those guys. Michael Thomas used to be one of those guys. Uh, you could argue they still are, but what's amazing to me is Cam Jordan, teams are trying to eliminate him, and Trey Hendrickson comes up big, or David Onyemata comes up big, or Demario Davis is able to blitz and be such an effective blitzer. And, oh, by the way, knock on wood, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if something were if, – if Demario Davis missed a game – Quan Alexander would probably help them overcome that. So it's, I think that's one of the key elements to this team is that we can talk about guys who aren't superstars that are helping this team, whether it's at quarterback or running back like Latavius Murray or Trey Hendrickson, uh, you know, players like that, or like Patrick Robinson, like players like that who come in in a pinch and next man up is not a cliche anymore, at least for this team. Uh, it's actually a real-life thing and been such a huge part of the Saints' success, not just this year, but the last couple of years. I mean, absolutely. I mean, imagine if the Saints go undefeated before Drew Brees comes back. So that'll be, okay, best-case scenario. They would be 8-0 in starts without Drew Brees over the last uh, two years. Maybe more. I don't know when Brees is coming back. But, I mean, how many teams could say that? Like, they lose their starting quarterback and they go undefeated? Not one year, but two years in a row. I mean, I probably should do a story on that. Like, that's kind of unbelievable. I mean, most teams, you lose such an integral piece like that, you're done. I mean, you're just, you're done. And the Saints just keep finding ways to win. And I just, it it kind of blows my mind how they've really been able to do this seamlessly uh, two years in a row. I mean, we'll see what happens this week. But I think everyone going into this game thinks, well, look what they did to the Falcons two weeks ago. They can absolutely beat them again without... Drew Brees, no matter how the quarterback plays. And that kind of goes into what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's just weird to see how this team has evolved so much that Drew Brees doesn't kind of have to carry them or drag them through the season anymore. They, they have all the other pieces in place. Yeah, I dig a little, uh, did a little digging for uh, the quarterbacks because I was saying, look, imagine if the Chiefs lost Patrick Mahomes, which they lost him for a couple games last year. They lost one game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, we've seen the Packers go under 500 without Aaron Rodgers. He's missed a couple, he's missed multiple games in a few years. Ben Roethlisberger, the same thing. Uh, you know, at least last year, the Steelers went eight and six without Ben Roethlisberger, but I mean, that's not going five and oh, you know, that's not going undefeated. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a credit to obviously Sean Payton, obviously someone like Pete Carmichael and and uh, Joe Lombardi for getting quarterbacks ready. And uh, the whole staff just having the team prepared, whether it's offensively, defensively, 
special teams-wise, saying we know we've got this giant void. No matter what the position is, I mean, we're talking quarterback, but look, the Saints went, what, 5-2 and without Michael Thomas, 4-2 or 5-2? and You know, the offensive player of the year. I mean, and and look, they they won games without Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and Marquez Calloway. They won games last year without Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook where Teddy Bridgewater's just handing the ball to Latavius Murray, and Latavius is just running through the Bears. I mean, you know, it, it's it's pretty remarkable. And, Kathleen, you're right, not a lot of teams. I don't know of any team. I, I would be willing to bet no team in the NFL would be as successful as the Saints if they lost star players throughout the time and just kept trucking. I, I don't I, – I, Chiefs, who cares? Packers, I, I don't think this – I think the Saints are just the lone wolf in that spot. Or at least they wouldn't be doing it so easily. I mean, again, you can say, okay, Broncos game doesn't count. But looking back at all these games without Drew Brees, and I think, I mean, maybe an easy is the wrong word, but the Saints handled those games pretty well. Like most of them weren't nail biters, except that Cowboys game last year that was almost as awful to watch as this Broncos game this year. But I mean, remember the Tampa Bay game and, uh, Bridgewater threw four touchdowns and in Seattle, like the whole team is, is finding ways to score. And, and it's, it's crazy. Like they're easily taking care of these teams without the guy who for so many years, if he had suddenly gotten hurt, the team would have just imploded upon itself. And that is just not how it's happening anymore. I mean, so it really speaks to what you say in your column, which people should read about how this is just, a team where really nobody is irreplaceable anymore. And it's kind of remarkable to think about. Maybe Demario Davis might be the most irreplaceable. Player. Maybe I probably, I mean, you could take even Cam Jordan out now. And I mean, you have Hendrickson and uh, Rankins went down. Animata has been playing better than ever since the Rankins went out. I mean, he's been on fire. He's so quiet. I think people forget about it. Uh, they did okay without Michael Thomas. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously racking my brain thinking, okay, if anyone went out, who, which position would be, I guess, the, the worst off? And maybe cornerback? I mean, it, it just depends on if you lost one of your cornerbacks for the whole season. But if we're talking just one game, someone goes out, they, don't, they really haven't had a problem. Yeah, Lattimore Lattimore's missed two games this year. They won both games. Uh, Janoris Jenkins has missed games. They win games without him. So it, it's pretty remarkable uh, that they're able to just get the job done. And n- now that I think about it, offensively we've seen them do it without losing major pieces I guess and people it's funny when I put the column out on Twitter and people are wondering they're they're wondering who the player is and it's like oh you tricked me there is no player uh and and yet we agree so uh, all right joke's on me but when you think about it Cam Jordan they've never played without him and Demario Davis in this stretch they've never played without him so I would be curious to see how the defensive line would stand up and you have, say, Trey Hendrickson have to play all like as many right, snaps as Cam point. Jordan or Marcus Davenport, or you had to have Quan Alexander and Alex Anzalone or a mishmash of linebackers. So in that sense, this year, maybe those two guys are the irreplaceable players, but I just get the sense that the Saints could overcome it in the short term. I mean, we, we, we've seen so much of that so far this year in the, in the past couple of years. But and, and Catherine, let's pivot over. You say, boy, they're making it look easy without Drew Brees. And yet after this game, 
everyone saying, please come back, Drew. Please heal those ribs. Oh, we can't watch Taysom Hill do this anymore. Uh, Change their tune, huh? Exactly. And so let's just go with Taysom Hill. Obviously not aesthetically pleasing. I've used that term. Sean Payton used that term after the game. And it was ugly to watch. There's no question about it. Uh, you know, and my, my thing is, all right, Sean Payton beating the drum, beating the drum. This is exactly how we wanted him to play. I argue it's not exactly how we wanted him to play. Like, don't take two delay games. Don't miss on a screen pass to Kamara. Don't throw a pick. Uh, you don't know, throw too high to six foot five Jared Cook. Right. Don't and don't throw into double coverage. Like that is not what he wanted him to do. And yet he did do the game plan where it's like, Taysom, hand the ball off. Taysom, hand the ball off. Taysom, running in for a touchdown. So in that sense, that is exactly what he wanted him to do. But uh, look, I, I think. And I understand why. Let's just go on this point. Saints fans angst with Taysom Hill. They want to see more. If they see that every week, they're going to lose their mind. And people are going to be screaming for anyone. Not just Jameis Winston. I'm talking anyone. Trevor Simeon? Yes, Trevor Simeon. Hey, he beat the Saints in 2016, so why not? Alvin Kamara. Uh, I'd like to see that, actually. Hey, uh, Shy Tuttle. Anyone. Uh, who cares? Uh, Blake Bortles. Well, okay, never mind. I'm just kidding. Not that's Blake Bortles. A little, that's a little far. Not Blake Bortles. <laughs> let, me, let me preface this by saying I still think that team needs Drew Brees. I'm not – I don't think if he was out for the whole season that they were just, you know, all right, we'll be fine. I mean, everything is okay in the short term. That's what we're talking about with these other players. When you think about it long term, then it becomes a different story. Could the team survive playing P. Robert cornerback all year? A little different than P-Rob needs to come in for one game. So, no, I, I still think they need Drew Brees to get through this playoff run. But uh, the Taysom Hill roller coaster uh, is just very fascinating. So, I mean, by uh, certain coworkers, I have been called a hater for a large portion of the year. <clears throat> Jeff Duncan, who is like the campaign manager of Taysom yeah. Hill, he must be getting like 20%. There's He's no like, doubt. Taysom Hill's number one fan. Meanwhile, I'm like the Grinch over here. You come out of training camp, and I was just like, Meh. I mean, I don't think Taysom looks good. I don't think Winston. I'm looks Switzerland. Good. I'm because I was Team Teddy, and look, he's not doing super you great in Carolina. Team, well, he did get hurt. Um, All right, but anyway, so anyway, I was the hater. So I was just trying to be measured about the whole Taysom Hill uh, fascination and what we might see out of him. And I'm still trying to be that way two games in on the other side. Yeah. On one hand, you're kind of thinking, okay, Sean Payton is defending him so much. Is, is he kind of trying to, to cover for him or is part of what he's saying? Correct. Because yeah, they did go into this game with this game plan where they're thinking, okay, all we have to do is, put the put the ball in Kamara or Murray's hands and we'll be fine. However, the Taysom Hill saying he became a game manager is not quite accurate, as you just pointed out, because a game manager wouldn't throw into double coverage or it wouldn't make him throw inaccurate passes when he actually got to throw. So, no, he didn't look good week two. Uh, his first start, I thought he looked okay. I mean, I feel like is the third start where we actually figure out, well, they haven't this guy or is Breeze going to come back and we're really never going to, to know. And do the coaches know? I mean, they have to make a decision in a few months, right? That's what we're all thinking. Yeah. And when, well, when you look at the two, yeah, you look at the two starts and look, he's going to play the Falcons again this week. So 
Uh, and the Falcons are one of the pet worst pass defenses in the NFL, which I feel like Sean Payton let Taysom throw it more in his first start because it's the Falcons. He may let him throw it more in the third start because it's the Falcons. Their pass rush isn't really there. Their secondary is not very good. So maybe they go that route again. Uh, but look, I believe that Sean Payton will have to have a different game plan each week for Taysom Hill depending on the opponent. Look, the Broncos' defense is was a better defense than the Falcons. The Broncos' defense is probably going to be better than what the Eagles present if Taysom has to start another game, which I'm under the assumption he will, but you never know. Drew Brees, he, he kind of defies the odds and comes back. He's a maniac. With, right, he exactly. Can come back. Right, and so because he's eligible to come off injured reserve after this game, just so our listeners know. And so... You have to cater the game plan to Taysom Hill. Now, can that last an entire season? I think that's what people are wondering, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. They're wondering that. And also, uh, when you look at this is sort of a tryout period, and I get in my mailbag. I did a mailbag for the first time right after a game, and, of course, it was Taysom, Taysom, Jameis, Jameis. So people are wondering, will Sean Payton give Jameis Winston a shot since this is almost kind of a tryout period? I say absolutely not. He's not going to uh, because he's 2-0 with Taysom. Uh, He wants to, if he has to be a game manager, he probably trusts Taysom Hill to be more of a game manager because he brings more to the table in terms of running the football with his, you know, quarterback keepers and this, that, and the other. Jameis does not bring that to the table. Jameis is going to sit back there and take chances and you, you have some turnovers and then all of a sudden the Falcons beat you like they beat the Raiders which is mystifying in and of itself and so look I don't think Jameis plays unless Taysom gets hurt like that's that's it or it's garbage time like he did against Denver so I think he's going to ride this Taysom train and Catherine you you mentioned about gauging for next year I think even the Saints staff you me fans I think Live in the moment now because I don't think Taysom is going to win next year's job now. Like he could play because I don't think he's going to play super outstanding to where, wow, he's going to be awesome. And I don't think he's going to be super terrible to where you say, oh God, this guy's not the guy. So I think you just got to live in the now and then figure it out as you go forward because look at last offseason, Catherine. We thought Drew Brees might have retired. Well, actually, we didn't think that, but it was closer than we thought. Uh, we probably should have thought that, but right. we were just like, completely 100% confident he was yeah. going to come back. Cause well, we ended up being right. But look, Tom Brady was about to be the Saints quarterback. We could have been talking about Teddy Bridgewater and, Jay- and uh, Taysom Hill. And then Tom Brady could have been the guy. And so we don't know. Look, what if Matt Stafford becomes the guy? What if uh, Dane Brugler, our, our draft guru, and you wrote about this on The Athletic, what if he's right and they draft Mac Jones and Mac Jones comes out and beats everybody? Or my man in Florida, Kyle Trask, comes in, statue and all. I don't care. He's 6'5", 230. You are his number one fan. I'm his, I just want to be right. Actually, I'm, your, I'm not really your team, one. Kyle. I'm not right. I just think he looks good. He's a pocket guy. If, he, if, Drew Brees, if Drew Brees can do it, why can't Kyle Trask do it? And he's a bigger guy who's very active. So that's where I'm coming from. But look, I say live in the now and not be so hung up. But I understand where people come from, where they're so hung up. Taysom, we've been told Taysom's going to be the guy. Oh, my God, he doesn't look super great. He doesn't even look like an average NFL quarterback throwing the ball at times. Oh, I know. I absolutely get it, which is I feel like why it's my job to to look at both sides and say, okay, yes, 
he didn't play well, but let's not make a huge knee-jerk reaction and just, you know, cut him after after two games. But, you know, Sean Payne did say something interesting about the Broncos game, just the weirdness of it, unique circumstances. He was kind of saying, he told Taysom, you can lose the job in this game. Like, he was basically saying, this can be a game where you lose your starting job or lose the game because of mistakes, and we're not going to do that. So that's why he was so That's actually an interesting point that you bring yeah. up. Yeah, that, that I would have to go it. find the quote again. Yeah, he started to say that, and then, like, you know how he does. He kind of, like, pivots to something else, but he said something like, this is a game where you could lose the job, and I, I found that interesting. But, no, I don't think Taysom did anything to lose the job in that game, even though we're looking at it like, oh, that was, that was ugly. But I don't think this, the team is looking at it that way. I think they're thinking, hey, he did – what we wanted him to do and he got out of there and we got out of there mostly healthy and, you know, didn't do anything too crazy, but yeah, this off season, I think it's going to be fascinating because I have turned on to the idea that breeze is probably done after this season. So then maybe they can draft a quarterback, maybe Winston and, and Hill go into the summer and uh, compete again for the, well, I don't, I don't know how much of a competition it actually was this summer, but maybe they go in the summer and compete for the starting job. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's just fascinating. We, we've never really had an off season where this was a very strong possibility. And, you know, now the world is tilting on its axis. Yeah. Look, the Saints world. Taysom Hill didn't go Nate Peterman, where he threw like five oh, picks. Oh, oh God. Ima- I watched that game. That was horrific. That's what would be, oh, my God. Poor Peyton would be like, that's it. I've, uh, Absolutely. I've, I've got to just, no, we got to. Jameis can do that and maybe actually throw touchdowns. So, yeah, that would that would have been the mistake against a team that you, you should have won by four touchdowns and you won by four touchdowns. And so, uh, but, yeah, like that's that would have been a performance that, could have gotten t- uh, Taysom uh, booted a little bit. But, uh, well, look, Taysom's going to be the quarterback. They're going to play the Falcons. And, Catherine, let's move on a little bit to the Falcons. Uh, again, somehow they, they play without Julio Jones and they shred the Raiders. Uh, and the Raiders shredded the Saints. You know, transitive power, uh, how does that work? And then the, the Saints beat the Falcons. You know, the old tried and true transitive power, so everything goes right. But, uh, but look, it's... Uh, offensively, like I mentioned before, I feel like that the Saints will open it up a little bit more because A, they're indoors, B, they're against a familiar opponent, and C, the the Falcons, their pass defense, even though Derek Carr, I mean, how does he not throw well against them? I don't know. He's an enigma in and of himself, but I feel like the Saints will be allowed to open things up, and if Taysom struggles throwing the football against one of the worst defenses pass defenses in the NFL, then there's a problem. Like I said that in my, my column after the game when he played the Falcons. If he couldn't throw against them, he can't throw against anyone. And I felt like he threw the, threw the football well. I anticipate he will again throw the football well uh, against this Falcons defense. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it's not often you're going to have a game plan like you have last week. And also disregarding all the oddness, that probably would have to some extent happened anyway because – when you go on the road outside on grass, you're just going to be more conservative anyway. So you get back into the familiar dome setting. And I mean, it does set up as a game where Taysom can kind of prove himself. Um, if he gets that opportunity I and mean, he's already played them, he knows this team. 
I mean, really, it might be a game where there aren't really an excuse, aren't really any more excuses for him if he does not play well. However, I the Falcons confuse me. I I don't know. I I feel like uh, their Falcons are the one that knocked me out of our survivor pool because I thought they'd lose to Minnesota and then they blew them out, right? And they just do this weird thing where they can look horrific and then the next week they're like winning by thank you for your money by the way in the survivor pool since i'm still surviving uh somehow usually i lose like in week one don't worry i haven't paid anyone yet so you're gonna be paying me wow hopefully yeah that was a that was so (laughs) that the lesson in that is never count on the falcons for anything but um yeah i really i i'm interested to see this one because like i said it, it should set up perfectly for him um most of the Pass catchers are healthy. I know Kamara is dealing with a little bit. Jared Cook has kind of lost the ability to catch the last few weeks, but you know he's still around. So the only thing really is that they won't have Teron Armstead, and I don't know if they'll have Andres Pete either. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I will leave up to everyone else. But um, well, Marquez Callaway also got banged up in that game. Yeah, I'm, that's right. That's I'm right. curious to that. see uh, if he plays and, and Deontay Harris. Right, Janoris Jenkins. I, I I suspect he's probably going to sit him. Which look again, if who knows? We know Julio Jones is banged up, and I mean, look, they Julio played uh, last time, and Calvin Ridley and Marshawn Lattimore didn't play, and the Saints were able to uh, either cover well or pressure Matt Ryan. And look, I ex- I expect the same. It's not like the Falcons' offensive line all of a sudden got super better. Uh, that their playmakers got outstanding. Look, Todd Gurley missed a game last week too. I'm curious to see if he's able to come back as well. So it's uh, it's a game. It's always tricky though. You you like you said, if the Falcons would have got blown out, maybe they come back and beat the Saints, and it's like their Super Bowl. But now they just beat up on the Raiders, and maybe they just come back down to earth and get wiped up by the, by the Saints again. So yeah, I, I think. Any division game's tricky, as we know, and even if the Saints are rolling. So I'll be, uh, I'll be curious to see uh, how this goes, Catherine. Falcons week is always one of my favorite weeks to cover. Well, yeah, because it's petty much, week. Yes, petty week. You know, you, how much petty. I, you know how much I love pettiness and rivalry games. And uh, it's weird how quiet it is for this one. I bet, I'm like, where's the, you know, the pettiness? Everyone, you know, throwing barbs. I guess they exhausted all of them two weeks ago by just – hammering Roddy White on Twitter for like two days. That was top pettiness, like top tier. Yeah, I don't think Roddy White's going to double down again. I I think he's going to refrain this time. I don't think he's tweeted since then, which is just. (laughs) That's funny. I think he went into a hole. I think I tweeted like during the game, like, oh, Saints fans are going to be all up in his mentions after the game. And I got all these responses like, uh, we've been doing that since the second quarter. Uh, have you been paying attention in the last six or seven years you've been covering this team? You've probably been doing it for should... 10 years, yeah, since uh, since Twitter actually kind of got rolling, yeah. maybe, or 12 years, who knows. But, uh, but look, this Falcons game, it's certainly going to be interesting. Saints are going to be favored, which I would assume. And it's not like the Saints have this monster schedule, but they got to keep winning. Look, Green Bay's on their tails. If they're tied with Green Bay, Green Bay wins the tiebreaker. So they've got to keep winning. If there's one game that the Saints can actually afford to lose – uh, would be the Chiefs game uh, if they would have a three-way tie with Seattle, who who just embarrassed Philadelphia, or Philadelphia embarrassed themselves, more 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 like that. But look, the Saints need to keep winning, and they can't afford to to really let up. And so, uh, l- 
but this Falcons game is going to be certainly one to watch. I know Catherine's going to be all over that game, and uh, I, of course, will be writing about it throughout the week. My cheat sheet will come back uh, after my vacation. People were actually asking about it, so I'm, I'm sorry I, I let them down a little bit. I'm, sh- I'm sure you loved that. This probably made your day, didn't it? Well, it just means I had to go work on it again because it takes me, as you know, forever. Uh, but it's worth Give it. Give the people what they want. Like, I learn a lot from it, too. So it's, it's a great, uh, great piece to the puzzle uh, of our coverage each week. And look, we'll be back next week. Duncan Holder podcast. Maybe I'll be there. Maybe Jeff will be there. Maybe Catherine will just show up and, hey, why the heck not? I don't know. Taking over. You're always welcome. Look, we're doing this through Zoom. It makes life a lot easier. Like, we see each other when we're talking to each other, so we're not, like, stepping on each other. But you and Jeff, I'd have to just play moderator. I've been there and done that. I've seen that before. Um, Jeff and I got along just fine last week. Thank you very much. It's it's when you have extended periods of togetherness that we start arguing about inane things. Like, I couldn't even give you an example. All of our arguments are that dumb. Oh but that's gosh. what makes the podcast so great, right? There you go. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, check out our podcast uh, wherever you get your pods. Apple, Spotify, of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. And uh, look, that's going to wrap up this week's edition. We'll be back next Tuesday to rock this thing out again. So for Catherine Terrell jumping in for Jeff Duncan, appreciate you as always. I'm Larry Holder. Uh, and thanks again for joining us here on the Duncan Holder podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.